In this episode of 2000 Books, repeat guest Dr. Tina Selig, the director of Stanford Technology Ventures Program, teaches us the four-step process that every entrepreneur must go through in order to take ideas from conception to reality. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Dr. Tina Selig is the director of the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, the Entrepreneurship Center at Stanford University School of Engineering. She teaches courses on creativity, innovation, and entrepreneurship at Stanford And Dr. Selig earned a PhD in neuroscience from Stanford University School of Medicine, where she studied neuroplasticity. She has written 17 books and educational games. And we had Tina previously on the show on episode 27, and we talked about her fascinating book, What I Wish I Knew When I Was 20, A Crash Course on Making Your Place in the World. And if you haven't heard that episode, you should definitely check it out because we talk about the one key difference between those who succeed in entrepreneurial ventures and those who don't. Today, we're talking about her other awesome book, Ingenious, Getting Ideas Out of Your Head and Into the World. Tina, I'm really excited to have you back on the show. Welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for being back here. And I want to start off by asking you, uh, why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book, listen to this book? Well, thank you for asking. Um, I really think that the, the time that someone puts into really thinking of the process of going from the seeds of imagination through implementation pays off in every single aspect of your venture. So often we don't think about the process that we use and we miss the opportunity to really squeeze the most juice out of all of the experiences along the way of bringing an idea to life. Right. And maybe some of our listeners haven't listened to our previous episode. So would you give us a brief um, story of your background and what led you to writing this book? Great. So um, I run the Stanford Technology Ventures Program at Stanford University, along with some of my other colleagues. And I teach classes on creativity and innovation and entrepreneurship. And this book is the third part of a trilogy. Uh, the first one is called What I Wish I Knew When I Was 20. The second is Ingenious, uh, a crash course on creativity. And this book, Insight Out, uh, about getting ideas out of your head and into the world. Right, getting ideas out of your head and into the world. And as you know, this our audience is all entrepreneurs, and this is one thing that we uh, not only struggle with, this is what we make our living on, you know, taking ideas and making them happen in reality and um, going through the process. But unfortunately, in this world of uh, what we call Im- innovation, creativity, imagination, people things are confusing. People don't understand the difference between imagination, creativity, innovation. And I think you do a great job of breaking this down in the book. So let's start. Let's start there. Let's let's try to understand um, what's happening in this world. Why are we so confused about these things? And what do we need to do? Yeah, this is really critical. Um, what happens 
is people conflate all of these terms. They conflate imagination and creativity. I mean, think about it. Do you know? Do you use them interchangeably in a sentence? Mm-hmm. Uh, people conflate creativity and innovation, and innovation and entrepreneurship. And after years of teaching classes on these topics, I realized not only is this a missed opportunity, but it leads to tremendous confusion. Um, if I was talking to someone in my team and I said we really need an innovative idea. Uh, they might be thinking of something very, very different than what I'm thinking. So I decided to put a stake in the ground and uh, create some very clear, easy to remember, easy to use, easy to learn uh, definitions for these that, and then understand the process of going through the path. So for example, let me, let me just uh, outline it. Imagination is very simply envisioning things that don't exist. Mm. Do this all the time. It comes very naturally. Creativity is applying our imagination to solve a problem. Now, mm. that problem doesn't have to be a, a, a problem in the world. It could be an opportunity. But we're, we see some opportunity and we apply our ability to envision things that don't exist to come up with a solution. Mm. Innovation is applying the creativity to come up with a unique idea. And this is a critical distinction. Creative ideas are new to you and innovative ideas are new to the world. Now, entrepreneurship is applying the innovation to scale those ideas. And I call this the invention cycle because the end leads back to the beginning. In order to be entrepreneurial, you need to inspire other people's imagination. Mm. This is great. Yeah, it is a cycle. And uh, I think I want to I wanna take an example, if it's possible, to put, put that example through this whole cycle. Um, I was thinking... Maybe we can start with Apple or some other company that you want to you know, take as an example and how that goes through the whole process. Uh, is it possible, Tina? Sure, of course. Uh, let me uh, use, uh, well, we talked in the last podcast about Salcon and Khan Academy. That's a great example to use since most mm-hmm. people are familiar with it. And uh, people are often familiar with the, the process since Salcon gave a great TED talk about the evolution of the, of the firm. So, Salcon was busy being a, um, you know, uh, uh, working in finance. He was very happy with his life. And he then got asked to help his cousin with uh, her math homework. So as he was doing this, he realized that there were some opportunities to that to make some videos that could help her and that other people were using them. So this is the first stage of imagination engaging in the world and then envisioning what could be different mm. right so he's engaging in teaching her math and envisioning a way that he could solve that problem mm-hmm. once he realized that this is something that uh, he could have a big impact or have some impact he moved to the next stage which is creativity where he was then motivated mm-hmm. and started to experiment so the creative stage requires being motivated to do some little experiments, and that's exactly what he did. And the results of those experiments lead to more motivation and more experiments and more motivation and more experiments. And that's where all the creativity starts. Then, So at this stage, was he already putting his videos on YouTube, yes, you think? Is exactly. this what was happening? Putting them on YouTube, experimenting, seeing what works. Mm. Then he sort of breaks three from that creative stage where he's doing things that are new to him but not new to the world, right? Putting educational videos on YouTube. And he breaks free and moves to the innovation stage, which requires focus and reframing. 
This is when he quits his job, you know, in finance, decides this to make the focus of his life and starts looking at the opportunity from different lenses and different directions. Mm. And he is then able to create a platform that is very unique and not just new to him, it's new to the world. And once this is working, so so let's yeah. let's pause a little bit because yeah. I, I, I want to I want to break this down for all our listeners. It's it's really important for us to understand. A lot of us go through this. We just don't realize we're doing this. And I, as I look at it, and as we're talking, I realize this is the process I've been going through as well. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I. I've talked to so many entrepreneurs and showed them this invention cycle model, and that's exactly what they say. They go, yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's Mm -hmm. exactly because the model, I didn't just make it up. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs and was able to extract the process that they used with the hope of teaching other people who have not yet gone through it. This is the process. These are that you need to go through and here are the attitudes and the actions that are required along the way. So let me just draw the get to the end though okay oh, b- and and before we do that let me let me ask you so in this in this stage of innovation where it's focus and reframing what's happening like in the outside business like what are we seeing in Khan Academy at that time do you think well you're seeing the early incarnations of the website mm. you're seeing the the early you know he's doing something that's now unique and is is continues to to look at um, really innovative ways that he can now, he and his team can now uh, teach in a more effective way. So he's reframing, um, you know, that, that's the word I really want to spend some time on because it's, it's, it's kind of easy to understand, but also hard to understand. Right. Yeah. Reframing is critical. So a typical example I would give would be um, if I give you a problem like five plus five, mm. five plus five, you was 10. There's one right answer. And that might be the, you know, a, a solution that you, you learn very early on in your life. But if you reframe it, you look at it in a different direction. You go, what two numbers equal 10? Mm. And all of a sudden, you've gone from an ans- question with one right answer to a question that has an infinite number of solutions. Uh, let me use another example just to drive it home. Um, I could brainstorm to come up with the best birthday party for you. Mm-hmm. And you might be really excited about that. But if I change one word in that question from planning a birthday party to to planning a birthday celebration, what happened to the set of solutions? Mm. It expanded dramatically, right? It changes it, yeah. Yeah. What if I said, let's find the best way to mark your birthday? Mm. Even bigger. Well, and it comes up with a very, very different set of solutions. So if you end up reframing the question, constantly changing the question, you're going to end up coming up with really interesting other solutions. Um, I'm a huge fan of the concept of falling in love with the problem, not the solution. And so you really spend your time thinking about the problem in lots of different ways. I mean, if I said I want to cure cancer, Um, There are lots of ways I could frame the question. You know, how do I come up with a drug to cure cancer? Or how do I prevent cancer? Mm. Well, those are going to be two totally different sets of solutions. How do I prevent cancer? How do I come up with a drug? How do I change a lifestyle? All these things. Mm. come up with different solutions oh, and something you said that was really important falling in love with the problem rather than the solution and it's so important um, I, I can look back at my entrepreneurial journey and I know this from a from my experience and my experience from my other fellow entrepreneurs that we tend to fall in love with our solution it's, it's just so so ingrained I don't know why we do that but we do that <laughs> 
Well, exactly. And that is a huge, huge problem. And that's usually where people uh, fall, fall down when they're entrepreneurs is they fall in love with their own solution as opposed to being really excited about the a problem they're trying to address and being willing to and able to constantly reframe it and come up with uh, lots of experiments to test different alternatives. Yeah, I, I I feel like part of the part of the challenge is that when you fall in love with the solution, it's because now you feel like okay, I've arrived and let me just get this out to the world. But when you are falling in love with the problem, you haven't arrived. There is still chaos. There is still um, possibility of more failure, and you don't know where where and when you will find the solution. So in some ways, it feels like that's the easier path to take to fall in love with the solution, but. In the end, it's the it's the tougher, it's the more uh, painful path. Yeah, I mean, we could even just make up an example right here. I mean, I'm thinking if I opened a bakery and I thought I had the best chocolate chip cookies in the world, and I thought, you know, that's like everyone's going to love my chocolate chip cookies. You know, it might be that there's something else, my brownies or you know, carrot cake or something mm-hmm. else that might be the killer app. But if I fall in love with the chocolate chip cookies, I'm never going to get even a chance to try these other recipes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that I don't know if that worked, but I was trying to come up with a you know just an example, uh, a simple example. Yeah, no, and 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 you know, Einstein. I think Einstein was the one who said that if I had one hour to solve a problem, I'd spend. 55 minutes just thinking about the perfect question to ask. I, I love that quote. Yeah, he said something to the effect of, if I had a daunting problem to solve, my life depended upon the solution. I had an hour to solve it. I spend the first 55 minutes defining the problem because once I define the problem correctly, the answer would be obvious. Yeah, the And answer. that's what the reframing, it's about spending the time really thinking about the problem you're trying to solve and, uh, and looking at it from different angles. And that's where innovation comes in. That's where you come up with solutions that are new to the world. And I think that's where um, you, you said it somewhere and I don't remember where it, maybe it wasn't a book or it wasn't one of your videos. You said, we need to develop this ability to question the questions we ask. And it yes. is so profound. Yeah. And, and people don't do that. It is, um, it, it's important to really, as you say, question the questions you're asking. And mm-hmm. to give yourself to space to do that. People so quickly want to run to a solution. Uh, so what I do with my students is I require them, first of all, to frame storm. Now, mm-hmm. framestorming, I don't know if I made up that term or found it somewhere else, but um, I, I, I love the idea of brainstorming around the question you're asking, the frame of the question, before you start brainstorming about the answers. Mm, framestorm. So come up with all the different possible questions or possibilities around exactly. that question. And in case of Khan Academy, he, at this stage, he was probably thinking about all the different ways in which um, the problem could be addressed or maybe even in like all the different ways in which the problem could exist in the world and he could go after it. Exactly. And and um, he's, of course, looking at data and input and letters he's getting from people all over the world who are giving him ideas and letting him know what's working well, what's not working well. You know, they, they've experimented with actual physical schools. They've done all sorts of experiments. And the thing that's important is that then moves on to the entrepreneurship stage. Mm. And that stage requires persistence and inspiring other people. 
persistence, because guess what? This is really hard work. I mean, you know, actually bring your ideas to life and to scaling them is incredible work. In fact, it includes all the things taught by my other colleagues, you know, marketing, strategy, finance, organizations, you know, negotiation, all those things. But even more important, it requires you to inspire other people. Mm -hmm. You need to inspire people to join your team. You need to inspire people to invest in you. You need to inspire people to, to buy your product. And this is really powerful because it leads other people to become more imaginative and creative and innovative and entrepreneurial. It leads to wave upon wave upon wave of more entrepreneurship. And this is key. This is why this invention cycle is so powerful, because most people are not at the center of the cycle, right? Most people are not Sal Khan, but think how many people have been influenced by him or how many people have joined his team, how many people have invested, how many people use the product. Yep. Yep. So and I, these waves just keep going out as you end up having more impact and influence. Absolutely. And I want to go back to that. Uh, there are two key principles in entrepreneurship, persistence and that ability to inspire others. They're so, so, so important. I mean, we could talk. I, I want to talk about both of them because um, in some ways, persistence is like the cornerstone that that mental toughness, um, grit, or whichever way you want to call it, it's just it's the fundamental requirement for success in any aspect in life. Yes, and persistence in the entrepreneurship stage is totally dependent upon your motivation in the creativity stage. Mm. So think back: creativity required motivation and experimentation, and then entrepreneurship requires persistence and inspiring others. But if you're not motivated enough in the creative stage, you're not going to be persistent enough in the entrepreneurship stage. And so I'm sure you know lots of people, and I know it's happened to me, where I have some idea, there should be a XYZ, right? You see some problem in the world, there should be a whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you go, you know what? I actually don't want to do that. I would like someone else to do that. I want to be the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen this I've seen this firsthand with my friends. Yeah, I want to be the customer of that. I want someone to deliver pizza at three in the morning, whatever, whatever you want. But I don't necessarily want to run a pizza company, delivery company at three in the morning. So, so you go, okay, that's a great idea, but I don't want to do it. And you should be aware of that because if you end up taking on something that you're not motivated enough at the beginning, you're not going to be persistent enough. So really that's the idea of you need to fall in love with the problem, right? If you're not in love with the problem, you're not going to be persistent enough when you really need to. Yeah, this is so good. This is so good because uh, I want to tell a little story of one of my uh, one of my friends in another another group in a mastermind group, and he was uh, going after a real estate problem, in which he personally felt like he he went through that problem with the agents and stuff like that, and he mm-hmm. said, "Well, I'm going to start a business because I feel this is a terrible way to deal with customers, and I don't like the professionalism." And mm-hmm. on and on he went. How how. Um, mad he was about the problem and he started the business and six months later he had shuttered it down and we all asked what happened well why aren't you pursuing it he's like well i just don't think this problem is solvable and when i asked well why did you start this in the first place he said well because i felt like this was a big problem and then we started asking well why don't you pivot why don't you change course just to solve the problem that is there the problem what we found out was not because 
it was an unsolvable problem because there is nothing like an unsolvable problem. It was more like he just didn't have the right motivation. He didn't he thought, care enough. He didn't care enough about it. Exactly. Right? He cared about it for a few minutes while he had a real estate transaction. Yeah. But after a couple of months, he said, you know what? I'm on to something new. Yep. Yep. He, he, he didn't have that persistence because... And it, it, it's like, I can't fault him because it just was the wrong place to find his persistence. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, for someone like me who loves to play in the realm of imagination, I'm always engaged in the world and envisioning what could be different. And I, so I have long lists of all sorts of things that, wow, there should be a this, there should be a that, there should be and it's like, okay, that's all very nice. But it needs to reach a certain threshold before you get to the next level and say, okay, now I'm actually motivated to do some experiments. And then once you get to the next stage to go, okay, now I'm really going to be focused, make this a priority in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of times we hear about uh, venture capital, they, they talk about how they're investing in the people and not necessarily in the idea. And part of the reason it seems like it's because investing in the idea doesn't really give you much bang for the buck because if the person is not going to persevere, if the person is not going to really follow through on the idea, it doesn't really have any weight. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so... So we talked about persistence. I think it's so, again, I cannot emphasize it enough. The other part of it was inspiring others. And as you said, I mean, marketing, it's a form of inspiring others. Sales, that's a form of inspiring others. Getting financing, that's inspiring others. Any external transaction with the world is in some ways inspiring others to take action. Yes. And one of my favorite tools is storytelling. Mm. In fact... Uh, in fact, you said to me, hey, Tina, tell some stories. Um, <laughs> you know what? That's because people love stories. Stories are what make the world go round. And so when you are giving a business pitch, you need to think of it as a story. When you're talking to your customers, you need to think of it as a story. You need to tell them what the world is like now, what you're going to do to change it, and what the world is going to look like afterwards. In fact, there's a framework that I love. It's called the Story Spine Hmm. And it was developed by a guy named Ken Adams. And it's super simple. I'm going to tell it to you right now. It will sound familiar. It's this. Once upon a time hmm. and every day. And so that describes the world the way it is now, right? Once upon a time and every day. And so you paint a picture about the way things are right now until one day. Hmm. And that's your intervention. That's what's going. That's what you're going to do. And until one day, you know, you got coffee delivery every morning or whatever it is. Okay. Until one day. And because of that, and because of that, and because of that, and because of that, and you can have as many because of that as you want, that's essentially all the consequences of your invention or intervention until finally and ever since then, mm. right? And so if you can take your business pitch and put it in that framework, you're going to be able in a very compelling way to tell people, you know, how, what, to identify what their problem is. And to tell how you're going to fix it and how their world will be better afterwards. Mm. This is this is great. Once upon a time, then every day, until one day, and because of that, because of that, until finally and ever since then. It reminds me of the other story structure that I have um, been exposed to, which is um, the great American philosopher or uh, this hero's journey. Yep. The other structure of story, I guess it's more mm -hmm. personal, but a very powerful structure as well. 
Right. And in fact, stories have shapes. Uh, in my book, Inside Out, I have a whole chapter on storytelling and inspiring other people and show all the different shapes that stories can have. But you need to think in advance, what's the shape of the story you want to tell? And who do you need to tell it to and get them engaged, right? Am I going to get you engaged in, uh, in uh, wanting to invest in me? Am I going to get you engaged in wanting to buy my product? Am I wanting to get you engaged to join the team? And what's the story I'm going to tell you that's going to really inspire you to take those actions? Mm. This is great. This is great, Tina. And, and we're coming towards the end of this uh, uh, interview because we've talked about the four key stages or the four key components of Inside Out, imagination, creativity, innovation, and entrepreneurship, and back and on and on it goes. Now, let's let, again, I'm going to ask you specific action items, three homeworks. You're a professor. You do this all the time. So go ahead and uh, give us some homework based on this book. Okay, so let's start with inspiring others. Let's start with that, that stage. I would encourage people to practice storytelling. Every single day when you can try to convince your you know, spouse where to go for dinner or where to go on vacation, uh, you're telling a story. Take the things you're doing in your life and put them in that story structure. It's critical uh, to be able to, to do that. Let's see. In the um, reframing, Let's have an assignment where you have to take something in your life. In fact, take three or four things that you use every day and think about ways that you could reframe them. For example, let's say you're using an umbrella. Super simple. You know, it seems very obvious and why would you question that? But if you said, hey, listen, why do I use an umbrella in the first place? Hmm. That answer is obvious to get stay dry in the rain. So then answer those questions. How might we stay dry in the rain? An umbrella is only one answer. So what I'm saying is ask why questions that allow you to reframe the things in your life. Why do I, um, why do I wash the dishes? Hmm. Well, I mean, that seems obvious to have clean, them to clean. Well, what are different ways to have clean dishes besides my washing the dishes? Hmm. Okay. Why am I commuting to work? You know, what, you know, why am I using my car to commute to work? Well, I need to get to work. Oh, what are other ways to get to work? Or why do I need to get to work? Why do I, or why, exactly. You can continue to ask why questions. And so the reframing is a great way to look at everything in your life from a different perspective. So right? is this a framestorming exercise? It is a framestorming exercise. All right. Great. And then... I would encourage people to do an observation exercise. This goes back to the first step of imagination, where you engage in the world and envision what might be different. I would say go through your day with your camera and take pictures of things that you never noticed before. Go through your travel path, the place you go every single day, and notice things you never noticed before. This is great. This is great. Beautiful. Tina, um, so for our listeners, tell us where to find you, get hold of you, and all the other new projects you have going on before we uh, end the show. Great. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, people can easily follow me on Twitter at T Selig. That's T S 
E-E-L-I-G. Uh, you can go to my blog, which is uh, on Medium, and I think I'm pretty easy to find at Tina Seelig. Um, I have a new project called 60 Weeks to 60, where I'm doing a new project uh, every single week for 60 weeks, and folks are welcome to join along. And also, I strongly encourage people to check out our collection of podcasts at ecorner.stanford.edu. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Tina. This has been a lot of fun and a lot of great learning. Thank you. So, my ambitious friends, I have two important questions for you. First off, are you just listening to these podcasts or are you really taking action on them? Because in this world, there are no results without action. The best thing you can do right now as you've listened to this podcast is to go download the free action guide of this interview at 2000books.com slash summary and start working on that action guide. Edgar Dale's research, which is now known as the cone of learning, has shown that one of the best ways to retain what you learn is to move from passive learning mode to taking action on the ideas. And that way you remember up to 90% of what you just learned even two weeks from now, compare that to 10% if you just read something. So don't let this time you invested in listening to this podcast go to waste. Go get the action guide for free at 2000books.com slash summary, or you can text the word summary to 44222, and we will send you access to the action guide. Okay, here's the second question I have for you. Are you a visual learner? Because I am. I'm a very visual learner, and I often find that the wonderful ideas I read or listen to get lost in my mind somewhere. A few days later, I just can't place them in my mind. So I started creating mind maps of everything I was learning. These mind maps make it really easy for me to get a big picture overview of a book and also zoom into the smallest possible details with a couple of clicks. Also, the ideas are visually laid out for me to see and hence they don't get muddled in my mind. You remember the old adage, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, I think these mind maps are the closest things to a picture of the book, a snapshot of the book. So if you would like to get this book's mind map for free, go to 2000books.com slash summary, or you can text the word summary to 44222, and we will send you the mind map. So a lot of you have asked me how I consume seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot, but I also listen to audiobooks when I'm driving, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, when I'm out running. It's such a great use of my time. And not only that, I listen to the books at three times the normal speed. Yeah, it's 3x. So I consume a six-hour-long book in two hours flat. I just love Audible for that. And I've been using it for years now. And right now, you can... Give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook in their library for free. And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook forever for free. So to avail this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com slash free. That's 2000books.com slash F-R-E-E free. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends. Go out and live a courageous life.